Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. a word the Lord has deposited into my spirit. It is from the fourth chapter of the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41. I will read this passage from the King James version of the text. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, careth thou not? that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Amen. We want to lift our thought this morning from that last verse in this passage. The question that is raised is the subject of our sermon today. What manner of man is this? Or who is this Jesus? Matthew, Mark, and Luke Record Jesus stealing the storm at sea. All three of these writers, the writers that we identify as the synoptic gospel writers, share this experience in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This type of repetition, restatement, uh, reiteration, this type of redundancy is not without purpose or intent when you understand that the Holy Spirit is the author of the scripture. Uh, Nothing is done arbitrarily or without intention. Furthermore, if you read the accounts of this storm experience in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in the wake of Jesus' magnificent demonstration of power, each of the gospel writers record the disciples asking the question, what manner of man is this 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. The questions that we ask are as revealing as the answers we give. I find this question raised by all the gospel writers, this question placed in the mouth of all the disciples, I find this question remarkable in light of the fact that the disciples had been with Jesus for some time at this point. They were not neophytes. They were not new members. They were not recent enlistees to the ministry. They had been with him for a considerable season. According to Mark's gospel, if you read the passage in context, these disciples had witnessed the Lord on more than one occasion using his divine power while healing the sick and casting out demons. And so why are they so surprised? And why are they in such awe that same supernatural power is now being used to quail the turbulence and turmoil of the wind and the sea. Have they been sleepwalking? Have they been missing in action? Or are they just slow learners? Apparently this pattern persists according to the gospel writer John as late as the last week of the Lord's earthly ministry, the gospel writer records the Lord asking the question of one of his disciples, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? My brothers and sisters, can we say that we are really different from these disciples. We act surprised when God keeps his word and still the storms in our lives. What manner of man is this we ask? Who is this Jesus that the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this Jesus that healed my body? What matter man is this that put my marriage back together again? I brought my child home from a far country. Who, who is this Jesus that gave me a job when I lost my other job? Who is this Jesus that makes my enemies my footstool? Who is this Jesus? What matter of man is he. I'm glad you asked. Because the text yields three responses that we ought to be able to provide whenever an opportunity presents itself for us to talk about who he is. And that is the church's business. Isn't it? That when someone asks us what manner of man is he, that we can provide a definitive response. Who is this man? What manner of man is he? 
text would suggest that first of all, he is a man of divine character. He is not just any man. He is not just anybody. In fact, he is the God man. He is the union of God and man. He is as much God as he is man. And he is as much man as he is God. What man of man is he? He is divinity and humanity bound up in one essence. And like his disciples, we must take him as he is into the ships of our lives. I'm afraid that in some corners of Christianity, there are efforts now to remake Jesus and to recreate Jesus and to reform Jesus so that we might be more comfortable with who he is. This is what it means to be saved. It's to receive him as he is, believing that he will receive us as we are, just as I am without one plea. The eminent theologian John A.T. Robinson said, he is the human face of God. That's who he is. One poet provided a compelling response to this question in a poem called One Solitary Life. He was birthed in obscurity. He was a carpenter's son. He never had a family, never got married, never owned a home. Never traveled 200 miles from where he was born. Never wrote a book. Never held an office. Never done any of the things that usually accompanies prominence or success. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends deserted him. He was turned over to his enemies. He was hung on a hill on a cross between two thieves. Executioners gambled away the only piece of property he ever owned, which was a coat. And they laid him down in a borrowed grave. Yet 19 centuries have gone, and today he is the central figure in the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments and congresses that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of anyone like this man who had one solitary life. What manner a man is he? Aristotle said, he's an unmoved mover. Cardinal Gene Richter said, he is the unaudible sigh in the depths of the human heart. William Wordsworth said, he's the presence that disturbs me with the joy of elevated thoughts. Blind Scottish preacher George Matheson said, he's a joy that seeks me through pain. Ezekiel said, he's a wheel in the middle. Isaiah said, he's wonderful 
He's counselor. He's everlasting father. He's mighty God. He's prince of peace. Paul said of him, I know whom I believed. And I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto his hands against this day. What matter of man is he? He is a man of divine character. Well, he's not only a man of divine character. He is a man of demonstrated compassion. Who is this Jesus? What manner of man is he? He's a man of demonstrated compassion. Oh, you read the text. He commands the disciples to cross over to the other side. But he goes with them. You see, some folk could tell you what to do or what they think you ought to do, but they have no investment in the project. That's why you ought to be careful who you listen to. Some folk will ask you or encourage you to do stuff they have no intent of doing. Sometimes they'll do it because they set you up for fall. He said, go over to the other side. What I like about Jesus is when he asks you to do something, he promises to go with you. Lord, with you always. Literally in the Greek, it's all the way, even unto the end of the world. He goes with them. And when the wind and the waves threaten to capsize and sink their vessel, he wakes up from his sleep and commands them to hush and be still. Our every care is his concern. He's a man of demonstrated compassion. The writer of Hebrews says it well, profoundly well. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because he's my captain, I can come boldly to the throne of grace that I can find mercy and help in a time of need. David wrote the 23rd Psalm. He, he wasn't in the Jerusalem Hilton uh, when he wrote this. David wrote it when he was on the run. That's what most expositors believe. He was on the run. His own son who was trying to take him out. He's under pressure. He's under the gun. And David understood God's demonstrated compassion in a time of trouble. And this renowned psalm reflects what God offers us as we travel the psalmist seas of life with him. The Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. I shall not want. That's provision. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside the still waters. That's the peace of God. That passeth all 
understand and he restores when I'm down and out he restores my soul that's redemption he leadeth me in the path of righteousness that's guidance for his name's sake that's purpose and meaning he is the one who walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death that's protection Thou art with me, that's faithfulness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, that's companionship. Thou prepare the table for me in the presence of my enemies, that's victory. Victory is mine. Thou anointest my head with oil, that's consecration. My cup runneth over. That's abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's security. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. That's shelter forever and ever and ever. That's my destiny. Bolton brothers had it right. Whatever you need, God's got it. He's got it. He's waiting to give it to you. Who is this Jesus? Well, what manner of man is he? He's a man of divine character. He's a man of demonstrated compassion. But he is also a man of dynamic capability. Asleep on a ship, in the very rear of it, Bible says he was on a pillar when the disciples call out to him, the translator says, in one version of this a paraphrase, he told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath and the sea became a sheet of glass. In other words, the wind asphyxiated and the sea flatline. I don't know what psalm you're going through, but God can asphyxiate your storm. He can flatline your trial and your tribulation. All week long, I've been taunted, tickled, teased, and tantalized by this message and this passage in the Gospel of Mark and its parallels in Matthew and Luke. I remember one of the notable biographies of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was written by Lerone Bennett, who for years was historical editor at Ebony Magazine. He titled his biography of Dr. King, What Manner of Man? Maybe that was somewhere in my subliminal. But, but then, because of our Bible study focus, there's been a series of profound and revealing statements in the Word of God that has revealed to me what the Word has to say about the nature of man. In Psalm 8, the psalmist asked the question, O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. He go on and say, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that 
thou visit of him. You see, that is a question that's related to man's dignity. We're somebody because he made us a little lower than the angels and have crowned us with glory and honor. And then I think about what uh, the prophet Nathan said to David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. After he had in an indirect way caused David to issue his own indictment in the matter of the adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. Nathan looked David square in the eye and said, Thou art the man. You see, Psalm 8 deals with man's dignity, but 2 Samuel 12 deals with man's depravity because David is the only one that God says in his word is a man after my own heart. And yet he stooped so low as to have an adulterous affair with one of his soldier's wife. And then when he found out that she got pregnant, uh, he had that brother killed in a case of premeditated murder. Apart from the grace of God, uh, the heart is desperately wicked. Uh, uh, who can uh, know it? Uh, and then my mind went over to John 19 uh, after Pontius Pilate uh, had got through examining the Lord. Uh, he brought the scourge Jesus out in front of the crowd uh, and he said, Behold uh, the man. Uh, in other words, that's like telling all of us uh, that we've got a dilemma on our hands. Uh, you've got to decide uh, what you're going to do with Jesus. You can't do like Pilate did and wash your hands and get out of it because in the end when life is over and we don't have no more breath in our body, no more jobs, no more careers, no more family, the only thing that really matters is when you can answer the question in the affirmative what matter of man is this? Is there anybody here that know who he is? Is there anybody here know who he is? So you got man's dignity and you got man's depravity and you got man's dilemma but what this text is about is man's destiny because you see Lord I want to be like Jesus in my heart. If you just hold on child of God. Uh, he'll give you some power to walk on your troubles. Uh, he'll give you some power uh, to walk on your trials uh, in the midst of a stormy sea. Uh, said he may not come when I want him, uh, but he's always on time. I do have a witness. Uh, I'm so glad uh, that my best days uh, are not behind me. Uh, uh, some glad morning uh, uh, when this life is over, uh, I'm going to fly I'm going to have some power. I'm going to have some prestige. I'm going to have some position. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard what the Lord has prepared for me. I'm 
so glad that I'm on a ship that's going to reach its destination because no ship with Jesus on board can ever seek. Is there anybody here that's booked passage on the old ship of Zion? Is he able? Is he able? Is he able? Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad. Trouble don't last always. I'm so glad he can asphyxiate a storm. I'm so glad he can flatline my trial. Yeah! 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 Hush, man! Be quiet, son! He'll do it for you. He's done it for me. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.